Hello and welcome to the Psychic Stories podcast, encouraging conversations about mental health. Today I'm speaking to Ellie Frith. Ellie is a teacher and the founder and the host of the Chewy Head podcast, a mental health psychology podcast based on her own mental breakdown story of suicide and depression. Ellie, good morning. Hello, thank you for having me. My pleasure. How are you? <laughs> I'm very well, thank you. Yes, how are you? Good, very well, thank you. And and I, I, we were just chatting, chatting earlier. The goal of today is to have an open and honest conversation about your mental health journey, um, to get some insight into the tools and techniques that have helped you along the way that may be accessible to other people. And by discussing your journey, what we're hoping to do is normalise these kind of conversations and encourage people to have these type of conversations and open up. Because in my opinion, more talking, more openness, less judgment is better. Yeah, definitely. I think even having a, a conversation where you, you start by asking someone, how are you? You know, we do it. So it's just so rote, isn't it? To go, I'm fine. How are you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, actually, you know, that rarely covers it, doesn't it? <laughs> no, absolutely. And I think I, I, I was doing an episode a couple of weeks ago and they, they were saying, you know, there's that there's that two how are you. It's yes. how are you? And then it's, and then d- judging on the response, it's actually how are you? And often it's yeah. the second one where people actually appreciate yeah yeah that's what they say isn't it yeah I also think you need to have like an established uh relationship don't you in order to sometimes be able to feel confident and comfortable to actually say how you're really feeling absolutely and and I think if there's something that always comes out it's it's trying to establish who your kind of confidants are in mm. terms of that kind of mental health and sometimes they're not your you know your close friends or your best friends or your family they are I don't know they're sometimes they're just people who who get you and are on that same wavelength Mm, definitely yeah I know um when I <laughs> when I first had my breakdown my mother-in-law would ask me every day how I was and I used to just it got to the point where I was like to my husband can you just stop can you ask her to just stop asking me because <laughs> it's like the worst question you could ask yeah. um at the moment because obviously the answer was well I, I've never felt like it's been it's the worst ever yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. not, not particularly yesterday. good thank you <laughs> yeah yeah and exactly but yeah. I, I think that's a good response no change since yesterday it's still pretty bad yeah uh, but, <laughs> yeah, but, exactly. uh, but uh, speaking about you know speaking about your uh, your mental health journey your breakdown I would, would love to learn a little bit more about that yeah sure um so so in 2019, which seems years and years ago, which obviously it was, but it doesn't also at the same time, mm. um, I was working in a school. I had quite a lot of responsibility for various different areas. If you're a teacher, you'll know that you can have all these different things that you're in charge of. Yeah. Um, so I was doing quite a lot and I was working very, very hard. I got up very early in the morning, um, would come to school for about half past six, quarter past six and work 12, 12, 13 hour days every day. Um, teaching is hard really hard teaching is hard um it is a very hard job and I think uh, there's a lot of misconceptions about teaching as a job because lots of people think oh you clock off at half past three you've got your holidays what's the problem um but in reality I I don't that certainly hasn't been my experience (laughs) so um yeah so anyway so I was working really hard I was on this kind of mission I suppose Um, And I suppose the thing that I was trying to, I don't even really know where the mission was going, but it was going somewhere. And I knew that it would all be worth it when I got the results or my students got the results that we'd worked so hard together for, Mm. um, for my year 11 cohort. Um, And results they came and the results that the students achieved were, in my opinion, not good enough. um, Not what I was expecting. Mm. And I just couldn't cope with it because for me, the numbers, I've always had this strange thing around numbers being Mm. like, well, this is factual evidence that you are incompetent. (laughs) You can't argue with numbers. Um, And so I didn't take any, I mean, there were students in there who got nines, but I didn't take any accountability for those because I thought, well, that's just the student being amazing. Uh, But for the students who didn't achieve what they should have achieved, um, that was completely my fault. And I just Mm. couldn't move past that. Um, and, And I kind of, yeah it was like my brain broke at that moment and I just Mm. couldn't understand the world it didn't I couldn't Mm. reconcile myself to the idea that they could get these results and everything else would just carry on and it didn't make any sense I completely lost my footing I didn't know where who I was what I was doing Mm. Uh, and at that point I just everything went downhill pretty Mm. quickly I would say (laughs) and and it's interesting how you how you describe that that kind of mission that it's 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 uh, it's how you defined yourself at that moment was in the kind of expectation of 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 you know your responsibility those kids results 
And like you said, like, you know, as you know, perhaps it's something as you've kind of, as you've grown up, this kind of idea of numbers or that's factual evidence. And Mm. when those measurements came in and that didn't quite meet those expectations, like you said, because you were, you know, you were driven by that purpose and that mission Mm. underneath it all that, you know, I suppose when that doesn't happen, when those expectations aren't met, then suddenly you're very quickly starting to kind of question your very being. Yeah, I think it's it's probably quite a common thing that people kind of look for their self-worth externally and they look for something to be like this is why I'm here this is why I matter this is this is who I am Mm. and actually that's quite as as it turned out that wasn't a great place for me to find Mm. myself worth in because um I don't I don't know what would have been good enough you know I don't Mm. know because as I say I don't really understand the mission myself so what results would have been acceptable I'm not sure but Mm. certainly those ones weren't and and I I just couldn't I didn't know who I was at that at that time I, I just and from there, it became really quite bad pretty pretty quickly because yeah. I think it was a case of, well, I can't meet my own expectations. I've proven that. The world has seen that through these numbers. Mm. And therefore, therefore, there's judgment in some respect. Yeah, but also, you know, well, I can't go on. How can I go on? There's nothing for me now. I couldn't I couldn't see a future for myself at all from that, mm. from that moment onwards. So it's quite dangerous. <laughs> oh, hugely dangerous and, and scary for you. And and, and do you I was just thinking as you as, as you talk through, you're, you're very eloquent when you're talking about your mental health. And, I, and my assumption is that that has come as a result of the journey that you've been through. Were you as kind of self-aware and articulate about your mental health prior to that incident? Um, no, because I imagine that I didn't just wake up one morning, look at some results and have a breakdown. And that was, you know, oh, from that moment on, you have depression, you have anxiety, whatever. I very much doubt that that was the case. I wasn't aware at all that I was depressed, but I imagine I had been depressed for probably quite a while. Right. Uh, which is probably quite, you know, you don't do anything other than work. You aren't really sleeping very well as a result of constantly thinking about work. You're allowing it to, you know, prevent you from resting properly. I mean, all of those things are not great for your mental health. <laughs> no, absolutely. Like, and, and those kind of contributing factors, you know, it, it, it seemed like you, you got to that point of that kind of, like you said, your, your mind broke, but I kind of get you getting the sense that actually a lot of the kind of ingredients might've been there previously. I think they definitely were. I think um, looking back at the way in which I thought and some of the ways in which I was very much, yeah, as I say, I externalised my self-worth and therefore I, w- I would do anything for anyone to please them because I, the way I was wasn't good enough and who I was needed to be better. And the way that I could prove that I was better was by, I don't know, meeting other people's expectations constantly. Mm. Um, and so I think having low self-worth is probably at the root of a lot of, me- well, I don't know, but from my, from the, my own experience and from talking to people that I've, that I've met, you know, it does seem to be a quite a common theme, having low self-worth and then being vulnerable perhaps to having a mental health um, condition. Yeah. And I think, like you said, combining those things with low self-worth and then seeking that worth from external things can be a recipe yeah. for, frankly, disaster. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 from, and, and, and from your perspective, from that moment, if you don't mind me um, asking, like what, yeah. what, you know, what, what went on? What was, what, what was it like? It sounds extremely scary. And I can only, you know, you know, you know just say I'm so sorry that you had to go through it. Oh, don't be sorry. I'm not sorry I went through it, actually. I think it was a good thing. It didn't feel like a good thing at the time. Mm. Um, But it was basically like the part of me that was like, that obviously was how I got through every day was still there. So the part of me that was like, get up, go to work, do this, you know, do all of these things that you need to do to prove that you're good enough. You still need to do those things. But my body basically reacted against that and wouldn't. So I was having panic attacks. I never had a panic attack before in my life. And I was having them like a lot. Um, As in what? Multiple times a day? Oh, yeah. Like really? eight, nine, ten times a day. More than that, maybe. Um, lot of crying, not being able to physically do things, put on my shoe. I remember I was like, right, come on, get up. Put, put a washing on. <laughs> I had a panic attack. My head was in the washing machine machine yeah, you know it's ridiculous yeah, yeah. but I just just kept trying to for I think in the initial stages I was just trying to force myself to carry on and my body was just saying you're not this isn't going to happen you're not going to mm. it's not going to work um and I remember I was supposed to be leading uh, on one of the inset days staff training day um I think it was like a day after I'd had my breakdown and my husband was like Ellie you you can't you can't go in and I was like well I am going to go in of course mm. I'm going to go in and I, I got myself dressed <laughs> it took me a long time I couldn't mm. put my shoes on I just couldn't and at that point I, it was I just felt really that was even worse it was like a second because I realized I can't yeah force myself 
through this in the way that I normally do. I can't force myself because, you know, getting up every morning at you know, whatever, half past five, you know, it's tiring, it's exhausting, but yeah. you're like, no, we're doing this, we're doing this for the mission. But yeah. suddenly the mission wasn't enough to motivate me or I don't know whether it was, the motivation was there, but it was kind of, I didn't know what I was, what was the mission anymore? I wasn't sure. I was just lost. So, and and it's it sounds like you know everything you're saying it, you know is almost like you were doing it all yourself. You were trying to yeah. keep on going on your on your own, and that must be re- really difficult. And did you get to a point where you were kind of you were like, okay, and, and maybe this is incorrect, but I'm doing this on on my own. I I can't do this anymore. I need help. Um, yeah, I think I got to a point where I had to acknowledge that my body was not going to let me it didn't matter what my mind was trying to make me do mm. my body wasn't going to allow me to do it and um so, so, so the body pumps on the brakes yes literally I just couldn't wow. I, I didn't sleep didn't eat didn't just lots of panic attacks my thoughts were all over the shop so I couldn't even really coherently as I say maybe not necessarily express how I was feeling I would just say the same thing over and over again like I can't mm. do it you know um I'm a failure just lots and lots of that over and over again um and not really being able to make sense of things just really disorientating I would say Mm. um and so I suppose I did become more reliant at that that point on my husband but in my head it was always going to be oh this is just for now and I'll probably feel better tomorrow or I just need to pull myself together and I'll it'll all so I remember very early on I think because I didn't go back to work um Mm. I just couldn't couldn't cope with it um and then I went went to the GP my husband took to the GP and um and then I got involved with a supportive listing through mind mm-hmm. um and so and I can't remember when I started seeing a therapist but it was before I went to hospital um it all kind of blurs into one but I remember mm. being um, in this supportive listening um discussion with this lovely lady at mind and I was like I don't understand it's been two weeks it's been two weeks and I'm still like this like when will this change and she was like you know that's relatively quick really Mm. to expect any change so I think it was just kind of surrendering to myself and just acknowledging do you know what I'm not in control my mind isn't going to be enough to be the driving force anymore Mm. and I'm going to have to be reliant on other people I'm going to have Mm. to listen when my husband says Ellie you can't go to work because you can't put your shoes on Mm. I'm going to have to acknowledge that um and that was really hard to do yeah and and that kind of that kind of you know release how did it feel when you release and surrendered i think that's a really good word for it like did it did it feel good in a way that or is it kind of it's kind of not good i still feel terrible but i'm now ready to accept that i can't go on like this um i suppose in a way it was i'm ready to accept i can't go on like this and i think my immediate response if i had to diagnose it i'd say it was a lot of anxiety mm. and i think the longer that when I began to accept actually this isn't changing I this is staying the same I feel just as bad as I did when I found out my results I feel just as panicked just as scared um and then it became I think probably depression and and very quickly I became suicidal because it was this isn't going to change this is never going to change I'm now a burden on other people uh I'm reliant on other people and therefore you know, I need to take control. I think it was really all about control. Mm. So then it was, I need to take control of this situation by, you know, killing myself essentially. Mm. Um, and, yeah. and in your mind at that time, that was a very clear and simple kind of logic and calculation. Yeah, I think essentially, because I think people struggle with the idea of suicide as it being something that's selfish and something that's, um, you know, you're not thinking of anyone but yourself. And, but for me, and, I can understand why people might think that because in a way you are you are only thinking of yourself but you're actually you, you, my way of describing it is my self-worth was so low that the idea of me being dead although to other people that sounded awful and you know the worst thing ever for me it was like well you don't matter that much anyway so when mm. you're dead they might be upset for a day or two but because you're so worthless it won't matter long term um, and when you have that as a belief like you know yeah. that to be true it's it's not a problem the idea of being dead mm. and, and that perception like you said of of you you, you, you can see that because I, I completely agree with you and we, we've talked on the podcast you know um about um, uh, um suicide about attempts on suicide yeah. and, and and my experiences as a, as a Samaritans volunteer like talking to people like there is a real disconnect between the subjective reality and the objective of what mm. other people are thinking but like you said that's I think I think how you put it is perfectly articulated when you've got that your self-worth is 
it, it's rock bottom is zero, mm. then yeah. actually the, looking at other people, given that you're saying, actually, my worth is dependent on other people, when they judge that, you say, well, actually, they're not going to miss me. Their lives yeah. will be better as a consequence, which, of course, that's not the case. But in your reality, like you said, it's underpinned by that very strong belief. And that belief can therefore lead to those actions. Yeah. And I think when you when you feel like your life is just totally out of control and having been someone who was very much like, this is my five year plan. This is my 10 year plan. You know, to go from that level of kind of I'm self-motivating and determining my future to I'm completely out of control and I have no say in whether I can get up and go out the house. You know, the only thing that you really are left with, I suppose, is your ability to decide whether you want to live or not. And that's the ultimate form of of control I suppose that you can take yeah. at that moment and, and it's and it's not only the ultimate it's the most fundamental it's that choice yeah. isn't it do I want to live or not yeah and, and I think the other thing to to obviously think about is at the time you're you're filled with this it's like the worst it's like that feeling where you're swinging on your chair which we've all done and you have that moment when the chair actually tilts a bit further back than you were expecting it to and you think oh my goodness am I going to hit the floor um wow. and it's like having that that feeling all the time and living with that feeling all the time is very close to being unbearable mm. um and because so, it's a very highly kind of uh, heightened state isn't it a, a, a very ultra aware yeah <laughs> yeah um it's exhausting your mind is just and actually it's kind of calming in a way it's almost like a, a form of self-soothing to think you know actually you don't have to feel like this you can just be dead you know that's quite soothing and when your thoughts mm. are racing all over the shop and you think oh but i can i can hold on to this one thing that's that's quite nice and reassuring in a way, or it was at the time, obviously. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's interesting. So actually, it, 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 relatively speaking, compared to all the other feelings, thoughts, emotions that were going on, actually, mm. that the thought of that brought some calm and some reassurance and comfort, which I can only think could reinforce those thoughts. Yeah, and because the other thing is, nothing else made any sense. Nothing. It didn't yeah. make sense to me. I've done X amount of work. The children have done X amount of work, but yet we've got these results. Um, I want to go to work. My body's not allowing me to go to work, therefore I can't. So none of it's making any sense to me. And what the one thing which seems to make sense, logically, you know, kill yourself and you'll be dead. You mm. know, that you can hold on to that because that mm. that works. The rest of mm. it doesn't doesn't work at all. Mm. And, and and thankfully we are having this conversation today, <laughs> uh, which is amazing. And I'd, I'd have to understand how did you get to here? So was there a choice? where you're saying actually i'm not going to go through with this i'm going to i'm, I'm determined to 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 uh, to get better or was there another journey involved um well i i then went on to attempt suicide and then i ended up in hospital um mm. I, I was transferred to a second hospital about halfway through my my i spent three months in total in hospital and i was transferred to a different one about exactly halfway through um and i think moving to a different hospital was for me the moment when i said maybe there is something else I don't know what it is and mm. I think being okay with that and saying I don't I don't know you, you know you haven't known this whole time when this chaos has been going on and you still don't know what could happen and previously your response to that has been well I'll just kill myself then because I don't want to not know um, whereas I was kind of saying okay well we don't know what's going to happen we aren't in control but let's just see what happens and I suppose having that small amount of curiosity and just allowing myself to mm. to have the space to just not know uh, that made all the difference I think in terms of me recovering mm. and, and moving away from the idea of suicide but I wouldn't say that it's you know one day you feel suicidal and then you're like yeah. oh that was a silly idea let's put that behind me mm. um, I think actually you know I'll, I'll even now there are days when I when that is almost like a thought pattern that I've now bedded in where yeah. it's a place that I can go to and I think people are afraid sometimes to talk about that and certainly when I was experiencing that and I'd left hospital I was thinking oh my goodness I can't tell anyone because they'll put mm. me back in hospital or mm. my husband will start really worrying about me people will be with me all the time again and and mm. actually it's okay it's obviously it's not ideal no. <laughs> but it's okay and I think um we're very afraid of of suicide the action but actually the thoughts and and all of those things surrounding it um they aren't necessarily they don't necessarily mean you're going to kill yourself like you can have suicidal thoughts mm. and that can be just how you're feeling at that moment and that yeah. doesn't mean that you that you have to act on those thoughts yeah. um and it doesn't mean that you know anything bigger needs to really happen you just need to wait those thoughts out i suppose and and again i think you put it incredibly articulately like and, and i think that this this is a this is an area where i can personally relate to like yeah. the you know in 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 a in a in a, in a, in a similar experience yeah those 
you know, having, you know, I, you know, I personally have suicidal thoughts since I was 14 and they're still here every day. Yeah. And it's difficult to explain to people that, like you said, your mind can just go there. Now I could be sitting there and someone could hit me left field from, you know, something from work and it could panic me. And I'll think, okay, go to that tree now. That's where the mind goes. Yeah. But you can then, after years of, of work, can go, yeah. hold on, hold on, the tree's not going to solve anything. Like, you know, there's, there's, there's another 20 steps before that, that I could perhaps try to maybe pull myself yeah. back and actually solve things. And actually, to be honest, I normally get to step two and I've solved the issue. Yeah. But it's amazing. Yeah. Like you said, the expansion of the mind, it can go there and actually yeah. it can't retreat. It's almost irreversible, isn't it? Yeah. And I think actually saying to yourself, okay, yeah, there is a tree there. Yes. I acknowledge that there's a tree there. And that is, that's an option. That's one option, you know, and actually facing that rather than, I think some people are like, oh my goodness, I can't possibly think of that. Don't allow yourself to think of that. And, you yeah. know, if you don't think about something, it makes you think. And I think that the more comfortable you become with it, the more you're like, you know, I know when there are times when actually I need to tell someone about this. I need to talk about this. I need to say, do you know what? Let's, let's be together this afternoon. Cause I don't, I don't feel good right now. Mm. And when there are just times when, you know, it's late at night, late at night, I don't know about you, but that's the worst, <laughs> the worst time of day for me. Well, um, I mean, there's, frankly, there's only your thoughts and darkness, <laughs> which isn't, I sometimes that isn't think of, you know, recipe. And you know, I'm, I've got, a, I've got, I've got a young daughter who's yeah. two and she keep, obviously, you know, at some stages keeps me up at night. So when I'm not yeah. sleeping as well, it can go quite, you know, it can get quite, you know, you know, uh, dark quite quickly. But yeah. I think, I think how you put it is, 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 is really, is, is, it's fascinating that when initially you considered that attempt, that was the mm. only solution as one solution. But mm. actually, when you said when you went to the hospital for the second time, suddenly you're kind of thinking, hold on, that's not the only solution. And actually, there are maybe some other solutions that might help me. So mm. and once you've got that kind of kind of when it opens the door and a little bit of light shines in, you can yeah. really cling to that because and I'm not sure if it's something about there's a very deep urge to live in in, 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 in life in general, I assume, because that's how we've evolved over over millions of years. But yeah. there's something, you know, in some in the darkest moments, you can feel it. You can feel it cling on. It can say, I don't want to go down that route. I really want to go down that route. But I know this is going to be really, really hard, but I really want to cling to it. Mm. yeah when I was in um hospital in the first hospital um it's quite interesting because I had I tried to kill myself a lot in that hospital <laughs> very unsuccessfully and one of the times I had I don't obviously I went I don't want to disturb anyone but yeah, I understand. was making an attempt on um my life and another patient walked in on me and was like oh Ellie you know this isn't what you want to do and basically talked me down at that moment mm. um which was really interesting because that patient was in there for similar reasons. <laughs> so I just found it interesting that the idea of them killing themselves was fine, but the idea mm. of me killing myself and then witnessing it, that wasn't fine, even though they totally understood that I would want to kill myself. Mm. And I think at that moment when they came in and they said, you're, you're thinking this, you're feeling this, I know. And for them to say, I know exactly how you feel. And they really, they really did. Um, and I just thought that was really interesting and kind of links to that idea of that spark and that hope that you're you're talking about, because, you know, I suppose we're kind of innately. Told, you know, you shouldn't seek death out, you know, so, for so I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, and I think and like you said, when when that person walked in. When that person walked in, mm. how did they approach it? Was it, it almost in a very, very calm way? So now hold on, Ellie, no, no, you don't want to do this today. This isn't, you know, this is how you're feeling. Or was it something that was kind of like panic? Because it, it seems like I can imagine like someone just walking in and kind of go, go, Ellie, no, no. Well, let's have a conversation. Let's talk it through. It's almost like for them, it's the most <laughs> normal thing in the world to see, right? Yeah, it was. Um, it was a very surreal experience. And interestingly, um, I suppose when you are a patient, you have this sense of community with other patients on the ward because you you have this thing in common, which is that you have been you found yourself in this role of becoming a patient and losing maybe some of your agency, some of your control, um, some of your identity. You, you you kind of are all together in this really strange bubble. Um, and so you do have this sense of community and you are kind of you do look out for the other 
patients on the ward um, and to have someone come in at that moment that was really for me it was really powerful as a, you know um, just to think that somebody cared I think I think that really uh, that made a difference even though obviously I knew that my family and whoever else cared um, but I don't know I think depending on the I've, I've talked to quite a few people who work on different psych wards and stuff and I think sometimes it really depends on on who you have on the ward at that time and, and the, the culture on that particular ward but um, particularly on that ward there was definitely a sense of kind of maybe the staff being quite desensitized because they you know for them it's their nine to five job and they're there every day and they're dealing with very difficult and challenging patients mm. um and seeing a lot of, of things which i imagine would make you feel quite desensitized <laughs> um but obviously as a patient that's maybe the first time that you've ever been on a psych ward it's a huge moment in your life of transition and change and um and so having someone who's also going through that kind of acknowledge your experience and and say yeah I've been there I am there right now I'm yeah. in the same situation that you're in that was that was a really that really struck me as being you know a pivotal moment for me yeah. and that's a hundred percent empathy that is a hundred percent compassion that is that yeah. is you know that is that is someone who can really for the first time almost maybe when they stop you in your steps and say look we are both going through this together I yeah. this is how I'm feeling this is how you're feeling like that's that's incredibly powerful incredibly human right mm, yeah definitely and so 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 from those experiences very very intense experiences there was you know there was very thankfully a kind of a, a road to recovery yeah um, you know it, it sounds like a lot of this happened in a very short space of time and to talk to you now it seems like in the grand scheme of things everything's you know, you know, uh, you know, not not recovered, but come to a place where you are able to work in a very short space of time. That's extremely in, in, intense progress. Yeah, um, it's interesting that you say that because I still feel there is part of. I think being on a psychiatric ward mm. is in itself quite challenging for your mental health. Um, I think I went personally went through a period when I was under section where I couldn't go outside. I didn't go outside for three weeks and that's not great for your mental health. No. Um, you know, your limits in terms of being able to see the people that you love, you know, they're, they're controlled and th there are lots of things which are actually detrimental to your mental health. There are lots of things that you witness or that you, you experience or you're part of, which actually can be quite traumatic. Mm. And so I, th I find now part of my, this next stage of my recovery or whatever you want to call it mm. I, I have lots of kind of traumatic memories and flashbacks to things that happened on the ward um and so part of that is and I'm also determined it's one of the reasons I've created my podcast I'm determined mm. to learn from this experience and also to not forget this experience um I know that, that sometimes people which is absolutely fine and I totally respect that you know that's how they want to approach having a breakdown you know they have the breakdown and then that's it we don't talk about it we we move on and but for me it's still like very much a part of my daily life like I think about people who I was on the ward with I think about things that happened a lot um and so yeah I would say in terms of my recovery I don't know where I'm up to really <laughs> I don't think it's a straight line is it sadly? no not at all but I mean and it's all part of it and it's a process isn't it? it's an ongoing process and, yeah. and like you said like you know you the ingredients were were in your mind you said up until the point where you actually had that map that you know a breakdown was manifested but mm. you know and those things you know you know are part of you or may have been part of you and trying to unpick some of those things or trying to cope with them trying to trying to try to live with them and manage them in a way where you're able to you know you know have a have, have a fulfilling and positive and happy life is is something that's you know I assume will take a you know will, will take a long time but like you said it's amazing that you've come this far and able to get back to work mm. um in, in in a relatively short space of time yeah I think for me especially, especially the same job which contributed <laughs> yes well you say that but I've I've really thought very carefully about number one for me a really big decision was do I go back to the school that mm. I was working at um and although obviously lots of people would just be like obviously not <laughs> for me it was really scary to say actually I'm not going to go back even though I don't have because then I was job hunting obviously in the pandemic which isn't a great time to find a yeah. job um so I was in a position where I was like I know the deadline was approaching for me to be able to have my notice in and I went on a walk with my husband and I was talking it through with him and I was saying look if I have my notice in I don't have another job what, what are we going to do for money and he was like look you have to do what you think is the right thing to do um for you and your mental health and 
when I, and then I did hand my notice in, I, I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't, and I suppose because I've learned that skill already of, okay, we don't know what's next, yeah. um, but that's okay. And we, do, we just need to kind of be okay with that uh, and know that, you know, things will work out. They, they will have to work out. Yeah. Um, well, and, that's the thing, they have to work out because also I will make them work out. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And uh, for me, that was like a really big moment, I think. It was quite empowering just saying, okay, well, we'll just we'll just trust that it will work um and so, i think that's a really good word is that trust isn't it i'm going to trust not only in life but through my own action as well i'm going to I, i'm going to be able to trust whatever outcome whatever outcome happens yeah that's it um and so i didn't want to go back and just be in the same environment um so i've kind of purposely looked for different the same job i suppose the other thing is when you have a breakdown or a breakthrough as my my therapist like to call it yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um you have this opportunity which lots of people never have in their life to kind of review your own situation and go right well is this what i want from life what do i want from life yeah. do i want to do this job is this what makes me ha- what what makes me happy what things am i going to say no to in the future which yeah. things am i going to go and seek out um and so for me i was like actually i really love education i really believe in in the idea of of helping others to make progress in their own lives and just being there to support somebody else i love that of course i want to do that but that doesn't mean i need to do it exactly the same way that i did it before and actually if i do do it the same way i did it before you might end up in hospital again and Um, and i think a lot of the things what you're saying is is that 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 question what what do i want to what what do i want to do what do i want to do but underpinning all that is is like you said that mission it's why you want to do something like are you much clearer in 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 why you want to do things now in terms of maybe setting them in in a way that you know will not contribute to anything kind of pretty you know bad in the future yes i think you have to find if you want if you are you have to make a decision at some point if you're suicidal are you going to give it a go are you going to have that opportunity that we've talked about are you going to trust in the idea of life and the possibility that things might get better Mm. um and if you are if you're going to make that choice and you do have to make that choice of course i'm not suggesting it's as simple as as well boom sorted it's not like that at all and i've I've, we've already talked about that but Mm. um you do need to have a you may need to make some form of commitment i suppose to the idea of life um and when you've made that commitment you have to kind of i suppose back it up with reasons why you've made that commitment um so i know in hospital and doctors call it things like protective factors and you know like your family your dog or whatever but i think actually it's about you know what is it that that motivates you to want to stay alive and you you know obviously matt Haig wrote a book didn't he reasons to stay alive um and they don't need to be big things and they, they can even just be the idea of thinking actually uh, I'm a human being and I have worth and I don't I'm not here to prove my I think sometimes the way that society is kind of structured we have this feeling of right okay it's all a big race and we need to make our mark in the world and we need to prove ourselves and we need to achieve certain things and meet certain milestones and actually you don't you don't actually need to do anything you you really don't like you being alive that's 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 it that's fine you can just be alive you can just enjoy your life and Mm. I think looking at life and thinking okay well what do I want from life rather than okay what do I need to do to prove that I should be alive or to prove that my life is worthwhile and um, matters well who are you doing that for because you're not doing it for yourself Um, and so for me now I'm really just trying to think okay well what do I want to get out of life because I know that what the other option is and I'm kind of okay with the other option but I've made a commitment to being alive now and so I'm going to to live my life in a way which um I suppose means that at the end of the day I can say well I can kind of have that conversation with those dark thoughts and say well actually no um you know here are some reasons that I would like to be alive um I don't know if any of that made any sense no (laughs) I mean hugely I mean in a hypothetical situation because it's interesting you 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 talk about kind of what you know the kind of those conditions or those expectations that society puts on it or we put on ourselves as a translation of what we think society wants Mm. it's something we talk about a lot like do you feel like in and maybe it's maybe it's Britain I mean I think perhaps we can only we can you know both you and I as 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 being in Britain can only talk about that Mm. do you get the sense that perhaps as a teacher this is this would be an an interesting um kind of avenue do you think we have a responsibility as a society as teachers as as mentors to help people basically achieve what you've achieved now to get a sense of that worth from from things like that aren't 
big and grand and growing and, 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 and you know, and a huge amounts of money and big houses and cars, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It seems like some people need quite a lot of help to, to kind of, I suppose it's to kind of, it's to find beauty and, and, and reason in, in those little simple things that we, we, com we completely gloss over and take for granted in our, in, in our day-to-day lives when we are chasing these big ideas and these big dreams, which seem to be celebrated in mm. in, in, the, in in the world and the media but the reality is that they don't bring those internal senses of joy of self-worth of confidence of capability to actually live a fulfilling and happy life yeah i used to i kind of labeled it as the when then mindset when this happens then i'll be happy yes. and that was that was my mindset very mm. much like when i get this next promotion in teaching then i will be able to be happy but i, I mean how i had no skills in terms of understanding how to be happy so that would never have worked mm. um yeah and I, I think if you even the way in which we talk to children in terms of like oh we we're always asking them things like oh what do you want to be when you grow up and oh are you good at maths and all of this and you think why are we asking them what they want to be why why aren't we just okay with who they are why can't we just celebrate who they are right now and and the things that, that they that they enjoy why does it always need to be about where you're going we all know where we're going we're going towards death fundamentally aren't we that's where that's what that's the end result um and so actually I, I, we have this way of looking at life as like a like a machine that you're kind of progressing through and that's quite sad because then you're missing out on actually living um so yeah, I do. I think we should focus far more on that. And, and I also think school in a way sells a lie, doesn't it? Education, it sells this lie that if you work hard and you get these grades, then you, you can go on and do whatever you want in life. And actually, not the case. it's not the case. And the skills that you really need are resilience, empathy, you know, all of those things in a way they're they're just as important, if not more important than having an A star. And, and but I mean, for what you're saying makes so much sense, like, and you're a teacher, like, right? <laughs> Why isn't education changing? What um, is it? Because I think the world is expanding. I think um, the population grows. Things are, you know, people, it's more and more competitive out there, isn't it? It is. It's more competitive. Um, and I think that we are. I think through the rise of social media as well, we're very kind of visually judgmental of people. You know, you look at a picture of someone's Instagram and right, okay, well, they've they've got the expected body type, they've got a car, they've got, you know, so it's very easy to make these quick judgments of people and then dismiss the people who don't meet those expectations. And I think that probably filters into, you know, all walks of life, um, sadly. I do think that schools are are trying, I think, yeah, in their I'm own sure way. Um, but well, maybe it's a really hard challenge. Well, they're in the world, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. And with that, I, I suppose, I suppose, like, and I suppose, uh, the question as a as a kind of relative new parent as well. Like, I think it's, it's fascinating how you said that. We're always asking about where people want to be, what they want to do when they grow up, and and you can see, even if you don't mean it, you can get a sense that someone, a little a little child who necessarily doesn't necessarily understand or have the, yet the mental development to be able to, you know, to, to, to articulate how well you're putting it and to understand these things, to say, well, actually, like, there might be a little hint of, okay, well, why is someone asking me what I want to be? Why aren't I good enough? And you can see yeah. from a very early age that any thoughts that are created or any patterns or beliefs that are, are, are created in that way could be very damaging later on. Yeah, absolutely. And then, um, you know, it's you know you only have worth when you have a profession or you're pursuing that profession and look what happened to me as a result of that you know it wasn't great um I have a dog I don't have children but um, I got I actually <laughs> it's a terrible decision really but I got this puppy <laughs> when I was really depressed and then went into hospital could be with this puppy but anyway um coming out of hospital and having this dog and having the structure of, of the dog to, you know having to meet its needs was massively helpful for my mental health um but I also think if you ever want to learn about joy just watch a dog you know because they don't they don't think should i do this or is this meeting the the expectations of other dogs they don't run on the on the park and ask am i running as fast as the dog next to me they just <laughs> run because they love running and and that's enough and and they know that they are enough the way that they are and they just pursue joy and and that's so beautiful to watch yeah i i i, I love how you say that because i'm just imagining like some little pit bull versus a versus a whippet running along <laughs> and the pit bull looks at it and goes you know what i'm so happy you're so fast good on you get there first I'll be there in five minutes. Don't worry about me. And yeah. it's that mindset exactly. It's not that kind of judging. But but then, like you said, it's very hard, it's very hard. You know when we are pushed towards you know in a channel of 
get a certain grade to do this, get to have a certain CV to do this, get a job to do this. It's very, you can see very quickly how people can, you know, uh, kind of structure and organize and focus their lives based on this kind of, how did you call it this, if when? Thinking. When, when then when then thinking which is like the conveyor belt isn't it and yeah i think you know acknowledging that and i think sometimes you know lifting out stepping back and seeing that you're on this conveyor belt and seeing that you've got this then when mindset can be really powerful because then you can start to think hold on do i really want this and is this a way that i want to think i think what i firstly personally found difficult i know a few of my friends as well is that yeah. stepping off that conveyor belt Right, society doesn't necessarily give you how to have a a, a kind of a, a balanced and happy and alternative way of living. It doesn't give you those <laughs> options. Like it gives you some pretty average options, you know, three or four in front of you. You look at the people who are in them, maybe who are forty or fifty, thinking, Jesus, is that's what my life is going to be like. Yeah, and that's quite powerful negatively as well. And, to think and I think another it- option is tough. It is. And then also when you decide, right, do you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to live like that anymore. I'm not going to try and compete in this nonsense competition, which actually achieves nothing and makes no difference whatsoever. Why do I care if he can run faster than me or if he gets a promotion and I don't, why do I actually care? I don't know. But, um, you know, if you, if you choose to step off that conveyor belt, everybody else hasn't stepped off. And so then you have to face the ridicule and the questioning of, oh, the loneliness yeah yeah and you you know you'll you then become misunderstood and um you know i don't know it's difficult isn't it because as humans we're looking for connection all the time mm, yeah. with other people we're yeah. looking for those relationships and yet um we're also really crap at, at kind of comparing and doing all of the things which we know yeah. are just toxic and unhelpful um and it's, yeah. and it's, it's interesting you say that because when you do take the very brave step to go off that that kind of that conveyor belt often the comments you get from other people are underpinned by their own jealousy that they haven't been able to do that. Mm. that or, you're, yeah. trying, you're trying something different. And maybe it's not jealousy, but there's some level of, again, a comparison of saying, well, I'm going to make you feel bad because I bloody wish I could have done that. And I didn't. Yeah. And I think it's difficult because in your own head, you will still, it's not like you make a decision and then, oh, the, the thoughts and the ways of thinking that have made you live that other way that you, you know, the mainstream way of living, they don't just disappear. So when somebody external who's still on the conveyor belt then you know says those things to you, that confirms something in yeah. your own head, which is underlying anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I kind of feel sorry for some people now, you know, that I would have previously looked up to. I kind of yeah. think- Massive reframing that, isn't it? Yeah, I think, especially, I don't know, probably in lots of jobs, but definitely in teaching, it's this idea of, oh, well, I mean, I, I was here until eight o'clock last night or I didn't stop working until 10. And it's kind of like, oh, wow, that's amazing that you've worked. It's this like one upmanship of how hard you've worked. <laughs> it's just but then really that's sad, isn't it? Why? Why have you worked till 10 o'clock at night? What's that done for your mental health? What's that done for your relationships with your family? What's that done for your physical well-being? Nothing. <laughs> and, and I think as you list all of those things, you have, you know, there's a desire and what I would love people to more embrace is designing a kind of balanced life that work that works for themselves. Like, so you can have a combination of, you know, acknowledging that in order to live a happy life, you do need work. Of course you need money. Mm. Of course you need, a, you know, if you want a career, that's fine. If you want a vocation, that's fine. But you yeah. also need healthy relationships. You also need family. You also need exercise, good food, whatever it is. And taking all that yeah. into account, if you take all that into account, you realize that working a job 60 hours or 70 or 80 hours a week can't, you know, something has to give. Mm. And if you're willing to do that and you're willing to sacrifice other things, then that's fine because that in, you know, in the knowledge of you doing that, then that's your decision. That's your choice. Mm. But to do it blindly and to think this is the way that I have to live. I mean, to me, it makes no sense. And, and it, it doesn't lead, lead to one good decision-making and, and, and secondly, a fulfilling life. And there's one thing we know, like you said, there's one outcome to life and mm. it's death. Yeah. And, you know, for, for, for people who are, who, who, who are lucky enough to be on the planet for, you know, for 80 odd years, I think it's something like 30, 35,000 days. And let's mm. be honest, the first 15,000 I can't bloody remember the last 10,000 are pretty average anyway there's not many days left yeah 
That's what I think anyway. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, I know what you're saying. And I think as well, if you, because that was my life completely out of balance, just one element really. And therefore, if something goes wrong in that element, it really rocks your whole world. Whereas actually, if you have a balanced life and you have a family and you've got friends and you've got interests and hobbies, I didn't have any interests and hobbies, but you yeah. didn't have time for them. Yeah. Uh, any exercise I did was like functional, not because I enjoyed it, because it needed to be done. It was yeah. on my list. You know? yeah. <laughs> um, there's no enjoyment in that. Um, and therefore, when something went wrong at work, that really affected me a lot more than it should have. And it really affected me because I didn't have the other elements. Yes. Yeah, a good point. And, and like I say, when you judge your day, like you said, at the end of the day, when you're sitting, sitting in bed at night, everyone's asleep and, you're, you know, there's a natural reflection on, 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 on how you are, mm. then if you are disproportionately out of balance, of course, you're going to feel negative. Of course, you're going to feel, you know, low. Whereas yeah. if you've got other things in your life you can say well do you know what I had a pretty average day at work but you know I did some great exercise I had a lovely evening with my husband my dog yeah. still bloody loves me like <laughs> I mean that you know you can see how that kind of 80% negativity can drop to kind of like a 50 or 40 and you can come to a reason at you know midnight going actually today was okay and yeah. I'm gonna go to sleep now <laughs> yeah I was um on my podcast I interviewed this this um I think she was an IBS specialist, but, yeah. but regardless, she was talking to me about how um, actually you, when you acknowledge that you need support and you need this balance that we're talking about, then actually that makes you, because we kind of uh, think, oh, if you say that you need help or if you say that, you, that, that you're not a machine and actually you can't just work 60 hours and be fine, that you, that you need this three-dimensional life around you, um, we kind of see that as a weakness. You know, oh, you're clocking off, off at five. That's a yeah. bit weak. Yeah. Um, whereas actually it's a strength to have, you know, people around you and to have like, like we've talked about, almost like a toolkit of different things that you need that, that nourish you and keep you going in the long term. Because I, I'm, I'm a living kind of evidence of actually working yourself to death just ends in it doesn't you're not going to be in the workplace long term so you might as well have just if I clocked off a bit earlier and had a bit more of a life we might not be in this situation now you know yeah. so and and based on those experiences like I'd love to ask you about the kind of the tools and tips and techniques that have helped you along the way and I assume there was some very intensive support within within hospital um Mm. Are there things that you do now on a day-to-day -day basis that kind of keep you afloat, keep you happy, keep you move, you know, enable you to, to reflect on, on your day? Like, what do you do day-to-day -to, -day to take care of your mind? Yeah, I would firstly say in hospital, the first hospital I was in, it, as I say, it's a lottery. And in the first one I was in, the only treatment that was available to me was medication. Mm. There wasn't anything else. Um, and so that was really hard um so if you are I think as well sometimes there's a misconception that people will give you help and you'll get often the reason that you end up in hospital is because you're a danger to yourself or others mm -hmm. um and it can just be a form of containment rather than treatment um so I think well, it's, it's like worth it's a prison right you know how you described it uh, yeah, certainly the first hospital was not conducive to me recovering, I would say, at all. Yeah. The second one, they, they had loads of different things, occupational therapy, um, sensory room, all sorts of different things. But just, you know, I think there is a misconception that, oh, you're in a psychiatric ward, you're getting help. You're not necessarily getting help. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, when, I, when I left hospital, I was actually discharged into the community um, and I didn't have any support system in place. There was nothing... Put, put on for me because there was just huge waiting list so I, I didn't have any support so I kind of went from being in hospital and having to like ask for them to make me a cup of tea because you have yeah. no control over anything to suddenly being like oh you're at home on your own which <laughs> um, is scary again oh it was terrifying honestly absolutely terrifying um but I realized that I needed to to do things I needed um yeah I needed a structure to my day so I did things like volunteer work I did I wasn't ready for work but I thought I'll do a bit of volunteering um I I did a creative writing group um I forced myself to go out every day um and that made all the difference and I, I know what it's I know from my own experience that if you're feeling really depressed and really anxious and just the world is on top of you 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 think that the last thing that you want to do or that you need to do is go out and there were certainly days when you know my the voices in my head or whatever you want to call them the thoughts were saying like just be on your own just don't do anything today don't try anything and actually acknowledging those thoughts and saying well yeah but you need to be here you need to be at that volunteer group on a Tuesday because they're expecting you to be there and having that 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 sense of purpose 
that made a difference because then when I did leave the house and when I did go and do those things, I could then at night reconcile with those thoughts and say, do you know what? I did that today. You can't take that away from me because I've done it. Um, So yeah, having a purpose uh, to leave the house was really uh, important to me. Exercise made a huge difference. That doesn't necessarily mean that you need to, you know, sweat (laughs) or just going for a walk, going outside, I think is really good for you. Mm. Um, Yeah, I always made sure I just did something positive that day even if it was like, I don't know, cleaning the house, just something little. Um, something now, you could cling to in the past and say, yeah, I did it. Yeah, I think that's really important. I do think connection, speaking to people. So, cause I, I had a dog, um, I started meeting, I met like a dog group at the park and uh, you know, I'm still friendly with them now. And it's just lovely to have just a conversation with someone it makes a big difference to your day. And uh, I know particularly now in, in, our, in you know, covid chaos of the world and lockdown some people don't have those those interactions and i think actually that is one of our i think if you look at yourself as a plant yeah plants have certain needs they need water they need light they need nutrients whatever humans do as well i think one of our needs is social interaction and that can be different for different people um for me having that daily contact with people on the park obviously i've got a husband whatever he was at work but having someone else to talk to that that was great um some people might need more some people might need less that's fine but for me I definitely think social interaction is really important um sleep I was on <laughs> lots of medication to help me sleep um but I needed it at the time and that made a big difference exercise coloring for me I find um coloring really really helpful for my mm. mental health there were days in hospital where I would just color all day <laughs> um that's fine um yeah, I'd say those are my things, really. But, but um, what's amazing is that everything you've described is, you know, you are able to do pretty much within, you know, uh, you know, I- I- if we stop the call now, yeah, you'd be able to go and do one of those things straight yeah. away. There's no waiting list. Yeah. And all of them don't cost anything. Yeah, I and did. I, I did have therapy as well. Yes. Um, definitely did do that. And I, I did actually have therapy via the NHS. But I would say, so for me, that was before I went into hospital and she basically told me that I was too unwell for the therapy <laughs> so I couldn't see her so I think it depends on how depressed you are in terms of whether they'll actually see you so yeah. which is which yeah I suppose at the time that conversation like I suppose yeah when you're pay, you know when you're when, when you're either paying for therapy or you're going for, or you're going for therapy with the NHS like hearing that you know hopefully it follows up with a referral but that's not often the most helpful thing to hear is it no <laughs> I think to be honest with you what I learned throughout my my journey is the moment that I kind of acknowledged, you know what, there isn't a medication or a person or a therapy individually that's going to be the, the cure. There isn't a cure. The cure, you know, you have to acknowledge that there is life and you have to make a commitment to wanting to live life. And no medication is going to do that for you. No person, nothing. Um, you have to do that yourself. And all of those things can be really helpful, but they're only helpful if you're willing to work with those things. You can't just sit there passively and expect things to happen for you. And I think um, for me, definitely, that was a was a really big difference. And I think it's that willingness, isn't it, to, to yeah. give things a go. That commitment, and, that motivation, and, 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 and it's the momentum, isn't it? Once you, if you've got that motivation, you start doing these things, even if you're in the darkest and lowest of places, you can mm. cling to those things and it can little things i got up today i got dressed i put my shoes on whatever it is you know those things are successes and those things can start building and mm. there's a there's something that's really i don't even know how, i can't quite know how to articulate maybe you can because you're a very articulate person <laughs> that kind of that kind of you know it's almost like uh, a momentum of resilience of positivity of, of happiness that you can kind of it starts to feel like you're you're on further footing a better yeah. grounding yeah so obviously being in hospital for three months wasn't great for my physical health I didn't go outside for three months for for three weeks during that time and so when I left hospital I was physically very unfit but I was like you know what I need to exercise I'm going to start running and I would say to myself do you know what you're just going to go outside and you're just going to you're going to go for a little run and if you need to stop if if it doesn't feel good then stop that's fine but you've still gone out for that run and when you've left the house you've won um and so gradually I then built up, you know, my fit, my fitness, I suppose. I'm not here to say I'm a marathon runner. That was never my, my goal wasn't to be a marathon. I've no interest in doing that. Um, but 
I can run now for 40 minutes, whatever, without stopping, whatever. And the point of that is it's that idea of resilience that you're talking about. It's it's me not putting any pressure on myself, but also saying you are going to do it. Yeah. It doesn't have to be the best thing ever, but just do it. Give it a go. Be open to it. And that's so um, different to what, let's say, your mindset was before you had your breakdown because yeah. it perhaps was be I'm going to run a marathon I'm going to go out I'm going to do 10k and if I don't do five minute miles it's going to be a bad day yeah and that's I, exactly it there's a lot of people and you know you, you know I've got friends who kind of share their runs and oh I hate that so and it's like, much. I did this it's like it's like for me it's just like I just got outside I, I, you know, I got my trainers on and I went for a jog. But you know what? Five minutes into it, I thought, screw this. I hate this. I'm going to walk for a little bit. But yeah. I'd already achieved what I wanted to. I felt good because I was outside. Yeah, that's it. And yeah. I actually, you know, you look at these people who post these things and you think you're looking for that affirmation from yeah. someone, aren't you? You're looking yeah. for that validation. And, you know, it's quite, yeah. But yeah, I think um, exercise is really, really, really powerful, I would say, mm. at... Uh, chemically changing your brain yeah. making you feel that you've I don't exercise at all for my own physical looks or you know yeah. nothing to, it's really just about how I feel and when I don't exercise I do not feel as good as if I had done it yeah. um so if and and the other thing is we have this idea in our head sometimes of it being just for like elite people who look good in spandex or whatever it's called lycra or whatever it's not exercise is for everyone it's a natural yes. thing it's part of your moving your body is what your body is for it doesn't need to Absolutely look glamorous right. you don't need to do it with anybody else it doesn't need to be a competition just you know just move just enjoy yeah. it and do something that you enjoy it doesn't need to be running that was just what i chose to do but if you want to jump on a trampoline do that um yeah do a variety of things if you get bored of one thing as well yeah so and, and, and you know and things like you said going for a walk gardening whatever it is like yeah. just move like we are as human beings we are built to move i mean to be honest we're not built to sit at a desk all day no we, we know that's what we're not to do so if you are sat at a desk all day for 15 hours and you're not having breaks well you know it doesn't it, i i don't need to be a psychotherapist or psychiatrist to think that you might struggle a little bit mm. like you know go on those breaks take those breaks take that exercise don't you know don't you know don't judge yourself on what you're on what you're doing i know that's very easy to say but just just just, just you know if, if work is hard just get out there do some walking do some running and mm. i trust me and i hopefully trust you ellie you will feel better you will feel better you will you might not feel i don't know <laughs> this is the other thing right before yeah. I was like, I need to know that things are going to be better. Yeah, like I need true. to, someone needs to tell me that I am now, that this will never happen again. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. now I'm at this stage where I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. Like I'm starting a new job uh, in two weeks time. I don't, it might, I might hate the job. I don't yeah. know that. Hopefully I won't. Hopefully I've got the skill to, to enable me to, to feel empowered and to go on yeah. and do it, whatever. But also now I'm at a stage where, you know, I suppose failure is a thing that most people are afraid of. Failure and rejection, right? And, you know, well, what is failure, essentially? It's just something that you've created. You've, you decide whether something's yeah. a failure or not, don't you? Yeah. Uh, is it a failure if you do a job and then acknowledge, actually, this isn't me? Not really. I suppose it's, you've learned something from that. You could argue it's a success because now you have eliminated something, haven't you? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think, again, that's another thing in our society is we have this idea of failure and of failure being something that's really shameful and negative and something that you should avoid rather than being something that, actually is really informative and useful and uh can it's help a, you to be happy part, in the long term it's part of the process right? yeah you know it, it really is like you're it, you know and again how you how you articulate it as well is 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 amazing like ellie i'm just looking at the time we're gonna have to wrap up but i just want to say yeah. thank you so much for just your openness and honesty about an extremely difficult situation and and to, you know that hopefully our, our listeners can can you know hope you know in some respects you know if people are going through very similar things you know we really hope that you're okay um yeah. but also but if you're you know, not okay that's okay that's it's okay, okay to not be okay <laughs> and, and take it from, from from you know from from ellie's journey as well that, that there's that really kind of i really like how you say that there's a very subtle mindset shift rather than thinking almost from the future looking back you're now looking from the present looking out and yeah. accepting that the future is uncertain is yeah. you know and that's and that's a very powerful mindset shift so i can only thank you for sharing your your wisdom and insights um, um as a consequence of that journey and really pleased that you are you're, you're you're making such great progress today oh thank you very much and if anyone is listening and thinking that they couldn't do what i've done that's i haven't to be honest 
what you need to understand is that you don't have to do what I've done you just need to do what what's good for you and take every day as it comes and put no pressure on yourself whatsoever but just mm. let yourself honestly I've, I think the mind is self-actualizing so you know give yourself the right conditions and and you'll be all right mm. there you go Ellie thank you so much for your time <laughs> I really appreciate that no worries thank you for having me it's been a pleasure Thank you. And thank you to everyone listening. You can subscribe to us on most major podcast platforms, YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Just search for Psychic Community or Psychic Stories and we'll pop up. And please, please do give us a rating if you like the show. And in the context of what we've been talking about, that kind of uh, that, that, that holistic mental health and well-being, please do check out our free Psychic app for iPhone and iPad. It's a collection of interactive exercises, tools and tips to help you boost your mental well-being. But as Ellie, I'm sure, will attest to, don't be on your phone the whole time. There is a whole world of nature out there. And, and the app does say, you know, stop doing, you know, uh, stop doing exercises, uh, mental health exercises, go outside for a walk. So the, it enables you to build a personalized well-being toolkit to help you deal with your life's ups and downs. Uh, just go to our website, www.sidekick.org.uk and click the download now button in the header to take you to the app store. Ellie, thank you so much again. Thank you.